Tennessee Titans talk, easily the weirdest two weeks uh, in Titans fan history, right, McFell? Oh, my goodness. You know, the newest saga in Roger Goodell versus everybody else. So, yeah, it's been weird. I never would have dreamed it would have been us. I knew that something like this was going to happen. We have so much to talk about. It relates to COVID. We wanted to wait to get on until we had more information. But we're just going to have to go day to day if anyone continues to test positive or not. So uh, this is such a moving a moving target. We're just going to have to wait and see. We're recording Friday late morning. We didn't have anybody test positive today, Landon. And so we can do that a few more days. They can get in the building tomorrow, if so, uh, or maybe Sunday, and then prepare to play as it stands right now, Tuesday, 6 p.m., Bills game. I'm surprised that they've even didn't just make us forfeit this game. Uh, and I think if anything else happens, as far as we anybody else applies, I think we might have to. John, you mentioned this league lacks in leadership compared to the other major sports leagues in this country, and I worry they'd be really heavy-handed and reactionary. So I just hope, really, really hope, we don't have any more positive tests uh, until we play this game. Landon, if you could, give us a timeline, kind of 10,000 feet of timeline of this whole thing and what is absolute latest in the story of COVID-19 versus the Tennessee Titans. All right, so on Thursday, September 24th, Greg Maben, who we signed to the practice squad, he tested positive, so that's three days before the Vikings game. Nothing else comes out of that. Then our outside linebackers coach and our defensive play caller, Shane Bowen, would test positive on Saturday. And from what I understand is that he went out and he exposed himself to the risk of being infected with COVID without telling the team. We play the Vikings. We beat them. Bowen doesn't travel with the team. He's not there. Then on Monday, we get the news that Bowen tested positive. Then Tuesday, so two days after we play the Vikings, eight Titans members test positive, three players, mainly Daquan Jones and Bo Brinkley, our long snapper. And so that's a cause for concern because just two days ago, we were getting in the faces of countless Vikings players that could easily start another outbreak. And then the next day, Kamale Correa would test positive. Then on Thursday, Christian Fulton would test positive, and that would push the Steelers game back because at that point, the Titans had zero days of practice up until then. And just with the incubation period and how the protocols are, the earliest we could have played the Steelers would be Monday. Then on Friday, the streak of positive tests continues with Adam Humphreys and Cameron Batson. And so at this point, there's no way the NFL can move Titans-Steelers back anymore without severely messing up the schedule. But luckily, our bye weeks were right next to each other. So we were able to move our bye weeks to week four, move the Ravens-Steelers game a week later, and play our game with the Steelers then. So we're incredibly lucky that is even going to happen, most likely. Last Saturday, probably the biggest hit among the COVID players is Jeffrey Simmons, who hasn't tested positive again since then. And of course, Cam, Cam Newton would test positive, and they would, the NFL would push the Chiefs-Patriots game back, and they would later play it on Monday. Then on Sunday, yet another positive test with Kari a blasting game. And this was starting to be when an investigation would pop up about how if we had violated the protocols, there was nothing more yet. The Saints and Raiders had COVID scares, but those were false positives. They played those games as intended. Monday, for the first time in over a week, we had zero positive tests and Chiefs and Patriots played. After the game, it came out that Stephon Gilmore has tested positive and he was also seen face-to-face with Patrick Mahomes. So that opens up another can of worms. Tuesday, Once again, we have zero positive tests, which was going to set up a potential return to camp on Wednesday, assuming on Wednesday we tested negative. Then on Wednesday, Corey Davis would test positive. That reset the entire process, and that started casting into doubt 
the status of the Bills game, not just because would we even be safe enough to play, but just the Titans don't have anyone. We're missing six, seven starters. Then yesterday, Thursday, we'd, we had another positive test with Michael Pruitt. And so the Bills game was pushed back to Tuesday tentatively. And now today, like you said, we didn't have any positive tests, thankfully. So the only way we can play on Tuesday, if, it's, if we test negative the entire stretch until then, so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So we're going to need four straight days of no negative tests after having 22 positive tests in a week and a half just to have this game. So, John, what stands out to me is, and I know a lot of Titans fans are confused about, you know, the timeline and who knew what and had been told what not to do or as far as meeting up. But for me, I feel like everybody in the world pretty much We've had to deal with COVID, and you know that if you've been in a group with people and you had like eight people test positive, and you know that you're on a plane with them and you were practicing and doing all the stuff in the facility with them, uh, you'd be like, well, we can't hang out. We, we got to go. We have to consider ourselves kind of quarantined because every time they get together after that, the clock starts again, right? On the between four and 14 days of when people can test positive. And that's just so dumb. The meeting, and yeah. that's what just drives me crazy because there's a lot of focus on, well, when do they get the memo? It's like, do you need a memo for that? And uh, it just kind of drives me crazy because uh, <clears throat> even, I don't fault the Titans for this happening in the first place, but the continuation, even if it was something informal and they distanced when they got together, it's just such a bad look. It's a terrible look, and you're right. I mean, this is common sense. These guys are paid millions of dollars to, to play a sport, and all things considered, it's more about safety of, hum- of human beings. You know, you have to have more common sense than that. We know how serious this, this illness and this virus is. I haven't seen my family in going on not uh, 10 months now. I mean, it's a, a big deal. Uh, and, you know, these players, I think, with the success of the NBA and, you know, the early success of the NFL, everybody was lulled into a false sense of security you know the nfl stopped requiring clubs to do daily tests which i think was a huge mistake i think that i i think we can point to a bunch of different areas where protocols should have been stricter we could argue that the nfl should have built a bubble we can do all this kind of stuff but at the end of the day these players have to be more sensible than that and like you said, that's what frustrates me the most. We are sitting here. We have missed one game already. They've made a concession for us. They've rescheduled that game. And here it's, you know, thankfully we're looking in a better better shape now. But potentially an, it is another concession and, you know, that they're making for us, a team. Uh, now they're making two two different changes it's a big deal i mean what if we get a test a positive test tomorrow morning based on today throws a a wrench into everything and it's all because of irresponsibility and i I, it just makes me frustrated uh, as a fan of this great team and you know we typically have an incredible locker room with a bunch of level-headed people and this just doesn't it it doesn't mesh with our morale and on one hand, I can appreciate the players understanding that at that time the game hadn't been moved or canceled and they need to get some work in. But I go back and forth on it all. Uh, but overall, I think I'm just upset at the situation. I want some answers and some clarity. And I think that's what all Titans fans it's want. It's surprising because I wouldn't have guessed it would have been us. I think our guys, I figured they would kind of lock it up. Um, but uh, Landon, answer the question uh, as best Based on what you think, uh, big fella's question is, what happens if somebody tests positive? If someone tests positive, and assuming that we had all negative tests the rest of the way, that would mean that we would essentially have zero days of in-person practice or prep. So not even counting all the players we'd be down, it would be the Bills versus the Titans B team. 
with no practice for two weeks officially. And as much as that product would likely suck for the NFL, just the ad revenue they're trying to get just outweighs it. Like with Chiefs Patriots, the incubation period can be up to 14 days before someone shows signs or tests positive and they have it. Three days after Cam Newton tests positive, they play a game. Their entire protocol is just, all right, guys, you better follow the rules. And they're just praying that they get lucky. There's no there's no real plan outside of just force these games through to get our ad revenue. Don't mess up the schedule and just hope that if there are positive tests, it's players that aren't stars and are on bad teams. Like what what happens if this is in the playoffs? What are they going to do? Are they going to make the Patriots play with Brian Hoyer in the playoffs? Are they going to push the playoffs back a day? They didn't have any plan. They could have started a month early with no preseason and have four weeks to shuffle in games that get postponed due to COVID. That would make the schedule much more lenient in terms of just having to avoid potential outbreaks because teams are going to hide this as best they can. It's a competitive disadvantage. If worst case scenario, we forfeit to the Bills, that's a major loss to us. No team wants to forfeit. And depending on what punishment is handed out, and I think there will be one, it's a cost-benefit analysis. A potential win is worth so much more than a fine or a late-round draft pick. It does make you wonder. Like, they obviously care more about playing these games than they do the schedule because they have to move around the players and uh, all their schedule. They don't care about that, obviously, because they I think they want the revenue of these games. And if they play it in an off time, they just get uh, another primetime game, essentially, at a different day of the week. And I wonder, yeah. uh, I think they're showing what they really want to do. They don't want to miss any revenue of any games. Uh, people have been watching the heck out of even, you know, kind of t- teams like the Thursday night games between bad teams have gotten great ratings. It's just been kind of incredible. Uh, big fella, I wonder if they're going to do that. But as Landon alluded to, I do worry. Uh, they've been so heavy-handed in the past and reactionary on punishment. Or, I mean, just think about Bounty Gate. That really was just an idiot coach Perfect. just kind of mouthing off. There's no proof. Players lost a year. And, I, and as dumb as we were, I just wonder that to placate everybody, everybody's so reactionary in the moment now on social media – Big Goodell is just going to do take a draft pick away from us or, or something just really, really stupid. Yeah, I can see it happening. I, I totally can see it happening uh, because, like you said, he's been ha- heavy-handed in the past with all sorts of league infractions or anything that threatens the integrity of the game. For Goodell, it's more about breaking protocol with the practices than it is the positive cases. You know, if this all happened naturally and they, they followed the rules and, you know, if it just happened to be an outbreak, because of a game or something that happened in the facility or whatever and it you know it's the virus it's it's a virus if it all happened naturally without any additional break in protocols nothing's going to happen but the fact that we had two different groups of players organize their own practices when they were told not to against their own common sense that's the part where he's going to lay down the hammer you know that's the part i'm worried about and i I keep seeing that the league in their investigation they continuously have photos of our our players in the building not wearing masks and and all that kind of stuff so i think it's going to be it's going to be a heavy hit and we've already seen goodell find players i think it was darren waller from the raiders his he had a charitable organization where players were just were taking they took a picture without a mask and they were all fined a pretty hefty amount i think each of them were like 15 or thirty thousand dollars or something along those lines um and we've seen the coaches who have been without a mask they were all fined i think it was a hundred thousand dollars each yeah and the teams were so it's it's going to be substantial absolutely yeah it's going to be substantial i just hope it doesn't Honest, as a Titans fan, I hope it's only financial, and I hope it's something that our organiza- organization can cover. I hope it doesn't reach into draft picks, but 
you know, realistically, it might, and that's going to be terrible. And, and we're not going to have like we're we're already operating without our first round draft pick from the past draft, and now we won't have a first rounder next year. So it's it's all negative. And I kind of wanted to because of this, I'm all over the the Titans groups on social media. I want to just add some commentary to Landon about the availability for players for this game. There are five players who theoretically could play in Buffalo for the Buffalo game, regardless of if they were symptomatic or not, as long as they get a negative test. It's Bo Brinkley, Daquan Jones, Tommy Hudson, Kamale Correa, and Christian Fulton. As long as they pass the protocols with negative tests, they can play on Tuesday. If these player, if the players I'm about to name, if they have negative tests and are asymptomatic, they can play on Tuesday. That would be Adam Humphreys, Cameron Batson, Jeffrey Simmons, and Kyrie Blasingame. So as long as they don't show symptoms and they get negative tests, they can play on Tuesday. Corey Davis and Michael Pruitt, regardless of what they show, they're not going to be available for the game just because their their cases were much more recent. So they won't be able to play on Tuesday at all. So regardless of what happens, we are going to be down some players. It's just a matter of who and what. And thankfully with us essentially having two bye weeks between, it'll have been... 16 days between the Vikings game and the Bills game. Hopefully, LaJuan will be healthy. Adoree Jackson can make his return, and same with A.J. Brown. So, assuming best-case scenario, our team will be about the same where we lose Davis, but we gain A.J. Brown. But, again, that's assuming the best-case scenario. And over the past two weeks, it seems like they just keep finding a way to test positive when whenever you think they couldn't. My only question with these incredibly stupid off-site practices was Vrabel and John Robinson aware of this at all? And did they either encourage it or did they not report it to the NFL? Because if so, a more severe punishment to the organization versus the players would feel much more fair if they knew these players were breaking protocol, risking spreading the spreading COVID even more, and they didn't do anything about it. Then finding a major amount of money, taking away a major draft pick, suspending them for parts of the year, would be more fair. Otherwise, I would just expect player suspensions and player fines, along with a yeah, decent organizational fine. Town, uh, for several days investigating, and I figured they're going to answer all those questions. And those are the kind of the pivotal questions that you mentioned, guys. Unless there's something else, let's actually talk some football and, and have our fingers crossed that we will actually get to play the Bills. Uh, anything else on the COVID stuff? I hate it. I'm over it. <laughs> just that the NFL completely botched this because they had the benefit of time that every other league didn't. They had six, seven months to prepare, and they did nothing new outside of making teams wear masks and institute testing. They There was so much they could do to make this safer and more likely to succeed, I totally and they just agree. did the absolute bare minimum. It has to be underscored. I'm glad you mentioned that. Again, because the other leagues had to scramble, the NBA, Major League Baseball. Where was the planning? Where was the contingencies? Uh, it just seems like they're having to do this stuff on the fly. It's embarrassing. But it isn't surprising. I think NFL's leadership is known to be seriously lacking. I think it's very surprising because, remember, we had a draft that was 100% virtual. They knew the the severity of this, and they should have taken more action. So I, that, oh, yeah, that's the part that drives me crazy. As far I think many people can say, everybody who watches the draft, everybody can say that the virtual draft went off without a hitch. So they figured that part out. They can figure the games out. They, the, you know, the NFL has more money than pretty much any other league. Uh, like we've talked about in text messages, we could have bought well, land, built a bubble. Like, we could have uh, done this. Right now, Major League Baseball is doing their playoffs just in hotels and neutral site parks. I mean, you didn't have to build anything to do that. They could have figured it out. This is a league that uh, makes $8 billion a year in revenue. Yeah. 
I, I credit ABC really for how well the draft went. I mean, they, they're the one that produced it, and they did really well. But yeah. it's just so – yeah, it was going to be weird. It's going to be sticky. But, you know, you saw in Major League Baseball, uh, they had the Marlins. Uh, just one or two guys made dumb decisions, and a bunch of them got it, and they figured out a way to finish the season. We'll see if the NFL can do the same. We're, we're the Marlins in this case. Uh, we, we did not take this seriously, and uh, it's very disappointing. But I think that, ironically, this could be the reason the NFL season goes on because everybody knows they have to absolutely tighten up now. Uh, they have to take these uh, – you have to realize how serious this is. And-, and Nathan, one thing one thing that you said earlier this week that stuck with me, you know, in our, our texting back and forth, you said, if LeBron James can stay in a hotel for 80 days, NFL players can. Like, And that's something that stuck with me. And it's just like, yeah, of course. Like, they, they had the opportunity to figure this out. They didn't. I mean, if we if we're seeing people like LeBron James do it, like yeah, uh, why people, why I, can this not I've happen? I talked to a lot of people over the last few months and said, "Oh, they they get paid <clears> millions of dollars or whatever." But it's tough. I mean, one thing you don't have everything of when you're a professional is time. You get away from your family, or your family has to be there with you. You, I mean, LeBron James has everything. He's to me the top example. He spent eighty days in a hotel in Orlando, Florida. I mean, this guy would usually spend his summer doing, he's all over the world and he's does all this stuff and makes more, you know, just makes money for himself. He has done this and it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of sacrifice. You know, I admire these guys for doing, for doing, and not all NFL players wind up rich and a lot of them pay a heavy price physically and it's just something else they'd have to do, but either do it or don't. I mean, you've got to take it seriously and everybody else can do it and you know, you can too. Guys, let's move on to the game. Uh, I really want to see this game and I think the country will see this game. They'll work that out. I'm sure on, this will be on CBS. Landon can tell us more about that. This is an exciting Bills team. Everybody is pumped about. I'm still not an altogether job. Josh Allen believer. Uh, from a regular season standpoint, I think he's uh, he's a tough, tough out. I don't know if I see him as a championship quarterback, but he's going to maybe have an opportunity to, to decide that. They look like every bit of a playoff team, of course. They're undefeated. They have a really strong culture, a good coaching staff, really good offensive play calling uh, through the first month of the season. We all know they have a good defense and a lot of talent there. You got two pretty good tackles. Landon, I know you're impressed with this team. To me, as of right now, the Bills are at worst the third best team in the NFL. And at best, I would have them tied with the Packers for a second right up there with the Chiefs. Their offense is so explosive, it's up. The, it's as good as anyone. And what's scary is a defense that's been top five over the past couple of years that hasn't lost any major talent that actually might have gone better talent-wise has just been really bad so far, like a bunch of defenses are. And I think as the season progresses and defenses start to adjust, we'll see a return to less college-based scoring in terms of just how insane the scoring is where every game feels like it's going to be a 35-32 affair. And with the Bills, I think the offense with Josh Allen, he's taken the step. Stephon Diggs has opened up so much for them. And even though Zach Moss was hurt last week, they have a dynamic running back doing their just offense is so complete. And so dangerous with a bunch of speedsters and Josh Allen's big arm. Their defense, which has been bad, just has to get a couple turnovers, make some stops, and they win games. They're really scary. I really hope Adoree Jackson is back because otherwise, Josh Allen will pass for at least 350 yards. Because none of our cornerbacks can keep up with Stephon Diggs or John Brown. They want to see who's 
going to play and not play? I'd probably, honestly, if I had to set the line of this game, just based on everything right now, I'd probably put Buffalo as three-point favorites. I've had Buffalo as six or seven-point favorites just with how good they've looked, how bad our defense has looked, how many holes we could potentially Landing have. the status, as you know it, on Adore Jackson. And, of course, our fan base talked a lot about how we'll see A.J. Brown where we may not have seen him um, if this game had been played. We may not have seen A.J. Brown if we'd had to play Pittsburgh last week. The, what's the latest uh, injury status, and, and, and what what is the Bills' injury list looking like? So as far as I'm aware, A.J. Brown should be good to go for the game. Like you said, he likely would have been a game-time decision if we had played Pittsburgh. But given another week off, he's had a full month to recover since he was ruled out of the Denver game, so he should be healthy. And then Adoree Jackson has returned He's been practicing, or I should say was practicing. He was, his physical return was going along fine. I would expect him to be a game time decision against Buffalo, but since it's on a Tuesday, I can see him being more probable than questionable just because he'll have two extra days to be ready. And then with Buffalo, they don't really have any major injuries that are going to hamper them against us. It's just minor ailments and rest days for veterans. And I think they get Josh Norman right back, right? He hasn't played yet, but they'll they'll get him back for this game. He had returned last week. They're fully healthy. We we know Josh Allen has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I, honestly, I think a lot of it just lies on Josh Allen. He's so good. A Buffalo team, the, the thing that is always, they're always going to field a tough defense. And that's something that is probably always going to be, be said with Buffalo. They drafted the guy that we've all loved, A.J. Epinesa. I don't think he's seen the field yet. And they're always going to be tough on defense. And they really have done a good job against the run this year. So really, it's it's Josh Allen and that defense. They're playing some physical football. And they've got a lot of capable runners. So it's really just an overall good team. You know, I feel like for so long, we've talked, we always talked about Seattle being the the youngest team and one of the most, you know, well-put rosters and complete rosters. I think Buffalo... They're not there, but they're they're closing on that gap pretty quickly, and they're starting to assemble a really good team with some really good players. Stephon Diggs has looked outstanding this year. What did they do? It was for a second-round pick, Stephon they Diggs? Had to, they gave their first. It was like 23rd. and They um, traded their they first. Drafted Jefferson. A first? So I think it's kind of a win-win there, honestly. He's definitely worth the first-round pick. Having him on my fantasy team, it's really going to be bittersweet this week because uh, I think he's going to be in for a big day. And like kind of Landon highlighted, if Adoree Jackson isn't healthy, and let's just hypothetically say Christian Fulton is not at 100%, Butler, we've seen him get beat deep a lot. Same thing with Jonathan Joseph. Um, so it's a scary day. And, you know, I have the stats pulled up now, and the Buffalo Bills through four games have only allowed – 404 rushing yards so that's pretty stout um it's not best in the league but it's definitely not bad uh so they're always going to be tough against the run um against the pass right they uh, are your boy, Davis right. i know he's top four non-titans on the field he's not been just super outstanding so far but i i think that'll come uh they're they're a good defense uh, they can be passed on when we talk about their weaknesses i mean uh, for me guys uh, you know i think that they're overrated at running back. Singletary has been okay. Uh, Zach Moss has been hurt, like you mentioned, Landon. It's kind of weakness against weakness. I worry that even a weaker uh, backfield will be able to make a, we know Josh Allen is probably their best runner, really. Uh, Landon, do you worry about, because we've not been good against uh, the run in the first month of the season, you kind of worry about about them, or is this the week we can kind of get around them? It worries me, but not as much as it should, just because I think our passing defense will be just as vulnerable. Daquan Jones, 
should be back. But if Jeffrey Simmons is back, and even with him testing positive, he's not at he's not going to be at 100%. When we had a full-strength roster, we were dead last in terms of yards per carry allowed. Now our two best run stoppers along the defensive line have tested positive for COVID. They haven't been practicing for almost two weeks, and you expect things to get better. And Singletary, he, he isn't the most explosive in terms of straight-line speed, but he's got great contact balance and initial burst. Our defense just has so many holes that their offense can exploit so easily that this game is going to come down to can Tannehill and Derrick Henry score enough points to keep up and can we get a lucky Josh Allen interception? He has one interception so far this year, but it was a bogus call that should have been overturned. I think my biggest worry, guys, is our ability to get to Josh Allen. I mean, last year we saw with our, our defense, you know, couldn't, couldn't really sack anybody and we had a lot of problems with mobile quarterbacks we saw Jacoby Brissett literally shake off a thousand tacklers last year and the same thing with Josh Allen when he was here he was very very hard to get to the ground and you know while we've improved our pass rush and Clowney and Beasley and Landry they they are not on the COVID list so hopefully we see a really great showing from them and Hope for some mistake interceptions, though he's been very, very good. I think he's completing about 71% of his passes this year. So it's just all of it for me is going to be getting to Josh Allen. I think that put that levels the playing field. And if the playing field is leveled, I, I like our chances play. in any of those games. But I think Simmons could really take advantage of They have poor guard play. And they're pretty good tackles, and, but I think they could get all over them. So that could be a mm-hmm. strength against uh, one of their – their big weaknesses. And I think the country might be rooting for the Bills and everybody in the country will get to probably watch this game, be on network TV. And uh, I think there'll be a little scorn for us and we're not used to that, but I still think we could win this game. Just depend who's out there. We got the skill players to do it. Maybe we got some guys healthy uh, that wouldn't otherwise be. Maybe AJ Brown can show out because I know they have a good defensive backfield, but it's not one to five impenetrable so uh, there's opportunity for here i know it's going to be a weird time there is some character on this team but we could come out flat and distracted and this is a team that could just put it on us but jeffrey simmons i think if we had one key player his health i know he tested positive but with his age we don't know anything but it's likely that he had no symptoms he could be just ready to go there's nothing like practice uh, a team's meeting uh, over the phone it's not gonna it's just not the same so landon they do have a, a massive behind the eight ball, aren't they? Just by having not been in the room and just not been in real practice for two weeks, that's going to be really, really tough, right? Absolutely, and it's why, like with the Ravens last year, too much rest can be a bad thing. And even the Ravens still were able to practice compared to us. You have to be in the flow of game speed. You have to be in football shape and game shape. And like, like we've talked about, two weeks away from the facilities, absolutely minimal weight training. You haven't played a game. In 16 days, when the Bills just played, well, played a game nine days ago, the Bills have every conceivable advantage going into this game. Like, there's not one thing I can think of where we oh, have an advantage over the Bills. Down the line as much as them, but you're right, now that they have digs. Uh, the fact that we found a way to win, I think we have a better kicking game, but you're right. I don't think that it's impossible for us to win this game. We're going to be kind of an afterthought, but... Landon makes a good point, right, big fella? Uh, just all the off the field, on the field. Uh, this is going to be an uphill climb. Yeah. You know, it's going to take an effort for us to win this game. We're to go above and beyond. Who could those guys be? I think Tannehill could have an heroic effort. I think A.J. Brown could hit the ground running. Uh, I could see Jeffrey Simmons, if he is indeed healthy, wrecking havoc. Uh, who's going to need to absolutely own this game for us to win? 
I'm most excited for Khalif Raymond. He's coming off the best game of his career, and he's going to be our wide receiver two at the absolute worst since Corey Davis is out. He could be our wide receiver one if A.J. Brown is limited or can't play. And if he's going up against Tredavious White, that's a bad matchup. But Tannehill and Raymond have a great deep ball connection, and someone has to show up. He's been really exciting, and he's had a much greater role in the first few weeks, so I can see him continuing that. Yeah, Lynn, I think that's a good one, and he is continuously taking advantage of every opportunity he's gotten, and he knows what it's like to, to have these opportunities gone in the NFL, and he's worked his butt off, so I like that pick. Two areas I want to see. I want to see Jonu Smith continue to build on his impressive three games that he's had so far, because he's really looked super reliable, and he's, look, he, he's looking like he's taken that step to being an elite playmaker in this league, and a guy that'll be around for a long time. So I'm really excited to see him continue his connection with Tannehill. And I also want to see our pass rusher, like I mentioned earlier. I want to get Josh Allen on the ground. I want Jadavian Clowney, Vic Beasley, Harold Landry. I want some good closing off the edge and kind of limiting Josh Allen's options and making him think too quick because that's where we're going to take advantage yeah, of him. If he has to process information too quickly, that's where he's going to make mistakes, and, we, and that's what I want to see. We do, on paper anyways, we have the guys that can mm, make a sure. long day for him. And we see, like in this playoff game, three interceptions last year, we see what he does when he's in a pickle. But it's going to be totally reliant on a lot of pressure. Uh, who's a player for the Bills? We we know about Stephon Diggs. We hear so much about Josh Allen. Uh, who's a guy that our Titans fans are going to be watching on Tuesday and think, who is that? He's really good. Uh, who who stands out to you that may not be a a household name? Honestly, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm showing my true colors here, and I'm gonna go with my Temple alum, Deion Dawkins. Deion Dawkins has very quietly been playing at a an all all pro or Pro Bowl level uh, a tackle, and you know he was always projected to be a guard, um, and I think he's really excelled at tackle, I and mean, he's a guy that he's gonna be a tough guy to play against, and he's quietly a leader of that team. Um, so I think he's going to be an interesting guy. Obviously, he's, he's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but he will show up so um, with year. a lot of toughness. That's really impressive playing left tackle. Uh, wow, impressive, and especially as good of they've been on offense. So, yeah, Dawkins is underratedly good. I don't like their guards, but I like their tackles. The other tackle, of course, being Daryl Williams. Been around for a long time. Good player. Yeah. What about for you, Landon? I would have to go with their starting safety duo, Micah Hyde and Join Poyer. For my money, they're a top five safety duo and maybe the best safety duo overall. Between the two of them, they have zero weaknesses. They mesh so well together, and they've just been consistently underrated since they've been in Buffalo. And I think we're going to have to air it out in order to win this game. And Hyde and Poyer are going to make several plays, and Titans fans are going to realize just how impactful they are. And, fellas, I'm just looking at it right now. It looks like A.J. Epinesa is going to be active for this game. So that'll be interesting. I don't know if he's had much on the Man, field if you it, like a guy, um, you just, action love, yet, uh, but he is going it, to be active for so this much, game. speaks so much about our friendship because uh, I, I just think A.J. <laughs> Epinesa, I'm glad we didn't pick him. And who's to say that he wouldn't have a bigger impact? That does make me think of a question I want to ask you, Landon. When, when are we going to see Isaiah Wilson? Is he going to be active uh, for this game? Like, uh, obviously – we could use him at this point for depth. Uh, we don't hear too much about him. Is he practicing? What's what's the latest on him? I haven't really seen any news on Wilson recently outside of his various escapades in the city and going back onto the COVID list. But I would expect, so after this Bills game, the next week play, we play the Texans. Then we, oh wait, never mind. We don't, ha- we don't have a bye week because we broke all the rules, flaunted them, and we got our bye week moved to week four. <laughs> 
I was going to say, in two weeks we have a bye. He'll come off that. He'll be maybe in line to start, but we don't have that. I think the earliest we could see him start would be in three weeks, three or four weeks against the Bengals. It's a weaker defense to start against if he's ready enough to play. It's and it's mainly just because before that, I don't think he'll be ready for the Texans game. I, I do not want him seeing the field at all against the Pittsburgh Steelers or TJ Watt Bud Dupree are going to take his lunch money. And I don't want him to play until the week after the Bengals just because by then we'll have played eight games without our first rounder seeing the field. And I didn't like the pick at the time. And so far he's done nothing to prove to me that I made a mistake in my evaluation, yeah, but hopefully at least week, week eight against the Bengals, he starts to turn things around. So weird, but, um, because I, I catch myself making fun of A.J. Epinesa because our guy, we haven't even seen him. I'm still excited for football. This has been really <laughs> tough, and it's just a strange, strange time. But hopefully we can just get to playing football, and we'll get everything, whatever. We'll be exemplary from here on out. I, I would like us against the Bills. So you guys know that. But I think yep. we might take our point. Boy Scouts. As much as anything from two weeks of not being uh, in that building, and we may just take a butt kicking. But I'm always hopeful. This team does have character. I really still believe that. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, we're, we're still Titans fans. We're still excited for this game Tuesday. Uh, stick with us. We'll give you a reaction when and if this uh, game happens. But Tuesday, 6 o'clock, we know you guys will be tuned in. Uh, follow us uh, wherever you listen to this and share us with somebody. Just uh, send a text and email. Say, hey, listen to these guys. And uh, we'll keep it going. But uh, for Landon and, and Big Fella, tighten up.